Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Uh, I'm here today with our very own Father Patrick Briscoe. Uh, how you doing, Father Patrick? Hello, friends. Friends. Wow, that's very inviting. That's great. Uh, yeah, so I guess start by saying a blessed triduum. Today is Holy Thursday. Um, so obviously the, the holiest days of our of our faith and of our liturgical life. So hopefully this year, unlike last year, where uh, you, our listeners, are able to get to um, these liturgies in person and not just, don't just have to listen to us talk about things on, on the podcast and can actually worship in person this year. So we're certainly praying for you these days. And uh yeah, we'll continue through the Easter season, of course. Um, so, Father Patrick, speaking of Holy Week, um, I was going to say, are you doing anything for Holy Week? Of course you are, because you're a priest, and <laughs> priests do you know a lot during during the Triduum. So, um, but what does that look like for you in Providence this year? Well, one of the things that's a little bit different for us is we'll actually have students around. Um, so a few of us from the chaplaincy are supporting the Triduum at St. Pius Church, the parish church um, right at Providence College. Um, so I'll be attending most of the liturgies there. Uh, Father James Sullivan, the infamous pastor of St. Pius V, our, our novice master, which is why Father Jacob Bertrand and I are sort of chuckling. Yep. So we call him infamous. Um, if Father Everything James invited me good to... At- Everything that we're good at in the Dominican life is from Father James, and everything we're bad at in the Dominican life is from Father James. From Father James, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's responsible for it all, good, bad, and otherwise. Yep. Um, he invited me to be the celebrant and preacher on Good Friday, uh, so I, I think That's he was great. looking for somebody somebody to really bring it down, you know, and uh, to take them into the depths and, and the dark. Uh, I can certainly do that. <laughs> so That's beautiful. I, I to, yeah. After this year of COVID, you know, I've got plenty of clouds uh, so we could descend into the depths of the Lord. Great. Um, we are going to sing the Passion, though. That's going to be really exciting. So Father Justin Bolger of the Hillbilly Thomas is going to be the narrator. And I'll be the Christ, uh, being the celebrant and preacher. And then we have a little turba, a crowd, um, singing the responses from the choir loft. So That's very cool. Is yeah, we're using Justin the arrangement... Going- we're using the arrangement that was done by um, Father Michael O'Connor from the House of Studies. So I really like the chords and uh, the, the, way, the way that he scripted the text. I, I just think it's very well done. Um, and it was super easy to coordinate in the parish, too. So I have a, I have a lot of hopes of how beautiful that will be. Um, so I, you don't often say, like, oh, what's your highlight? Um, you know, so my, my highlight is going to be Good Friday. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that, that setting of the chanting of the of the passion is something that we do in a lot of our communities, and the the Christ and um, the narrator are obviously solo voices, but the the tour by the crowd, as Father Patrick was talking about, is is a choir that sings in harmony. So you have these great kind of like explosions of the crowd. It's it's really it's really quite powerful. It's it's great. Um, we do the same here at the House of Studies. So uh, and we did in our novitiate at St. Gertrude. So that's great. Um, Speaking of singing, one of the my my triduum is is wrapped with singing this year for myself. So there's the the House of Studies has a scola, but Father Michael O'Connor, who Father Patrick mentioned, is our scola director and formed a, an octet of um, some friars who sing a bit more. So I haven't sung with the scola in a long time, but it'll be fun to to sing throughout the triduum. 
So. Oh, but look at you. An I know. <laughs> a fancy yep. singer. A fancy singer, that's right. Did you audition, so, Father? No, it was... Oh, I only... I don't audition. It's only invite. Invite, so invite if, only. Yeah, yeah. Sounds very exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my agent spoke to them, all the, you uh, know, these sort of things. Yeah, so... No, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. And then cooking Easter dinner. I'm on the cooking. I'm not the head cook, but on the cooking crew here for Easter Sunday. So that's always oh, a big nice. thing. Cooking for seventy fryers. So I'm excited for that. So those meals are always so much fun to prep for. They are. I mean, it's just a big crowd in the kitchen all day. So do you remember so the year Father Davenport cooked the Easter bunny? He did. He made rabbit for Chris for Easter. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, great. Bless his heart. Uh, he's another of our classmates formed by Father James. So, um, And actually, you know, Father Patrick, that's a wonderful way to transition into today's topic because dealing with Father Thomas at times, especially eating the Easter bunny, requires requ- required a lot of, of fortitude, a lot of patience, a lot of perseverance, <laughs> all things we're going to cover today. So today's episode on this Holy Thursday is not about what Father Patrick and I are doing over the coming days, really, but about the the seventh and final virtue that we're talking about in this Back to, back to Virtue series or at Lent, the virtue of fortitude. Uh, so just by way of recapping where we've been the last six weeks, uh, we started the week before Lent because Um, We couldn't squeeze all seven into the six weeks of Lent, so we started the week before. Uh, But we started talking of the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, and then the last three weeks, um, prudence, justice, and temperance, three of the four cardinal or moral virtues. We'll finish with the fourth, fortitude today. But just as a reminder about virtues in general, if this is the first time you're tuning in to these virtue episodes, then this is good for you to to listen here. If you've listened to other ones, well, you've gotten this, but you're getting it again. Um, But the virtues, what are they? It's always helpful to know what we're talking about. The virtues are tools um, in the Christian life, tools of Christian perfection that um, function within the dispensation of grace, we would say. So God gives us graces to act in a particular way. And this particular way is really what we would call an imitatio Christi, an imitation of Christ. Christ had the fullness of virtues. Christ had the fullness of what it meant to be human, but also while maintaining his divine nature. Um, He had the fullness of virtues, and as Christians, we're called to live uh, the fullness of human life, which is dictated, guided um, by the virtues. So I mentioned those three, Father Patrick, the theological virtues. If if you could just give us like a super quick soundbite, you know, on each faith, hope, charity, what they are, why they're theological, and then we'll we'll cruise right into the into the um, moral virtues. Sure. So the theological virtues, you know, again as we've as we've continued to say, those those are the virtues that p- pertain directly to God. So they orient us uh, to heaven, and they allow us to see things from heaven's perspective, um, and they modify their their perfective qualities of the human condition in their own way. So they so they modify the intellect and the will. So faith is a habit of mind allowing us to believe unto God, um, to believe in the things that God said, and to be united to God um, by virtue of our intellect, by virtue of our mind. Hope and charity, however, are the will. Um, So hope allows us to have a confidence of heart in the things that God has planned for us, you know, different than knowing, right, to 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 have the the strength of heart, the confidence um, in the faithfulness of God to his promises, and that we will attain them. So not only that God will give us these things, but it will be possible uh, it will be possible to grasp them. That's hope. And then charity is to delight in God directly. So that, that sharing of God's own life, which bonds us to the Lord. Charity is union, or as we talk about it in the Thomistic tradition, charity is friendship with God. Um, so, the, so those are the three of the theological virtues. And 
um, they are so grand because they are required. Uh, they require God's grace. You know, it's the Lord that gives them. You can't manufacture faith. You can't manufacture hope. You can't manufacture charity. All of these things are de- dependent on God's own divine life. Um, and so for right. this reason, they're very different than the moral virtues, right? Yeah, the moral virtues as opposed to the theological. Um, the moral, as Father Patrick was saying, the object of the theological virtues, the thing at which they are aimed is God himself. The object of the moral virtues is human action, really. They direct our action um, and our con- the control of our faculties. Now, these can be oriented to God, and they should be oriented to God, but they don't have God himself as their object. So if we think of prudence, right, remember that prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason. It, it directs our reason to discern our true good in every circumstance. So it directs all of our actions. Um, it helps us choose, make, you know, we often say make a prudent decision here, or maybe that's more of a, a Dominican thing to say rather than, you know, as a vocation director, rather than discerning everything, we, I'd say, make prudent choices. Um, justice dictates our relationship to another, rendering another his due. And temperance we talked about last week, um, it, governs what we call the concupiscible appetites. It governs our re- relation to, to external objects that are either easy to get or, diff- or easy to avoid. And we'll talk about the appetite in a second because fortitude has to do with the appetites. But those virtues, as Father Patrick said, they're different because we can acquire them certainly through, um, in a sort of um, non-supernatural way, we can make acts of prudence that moved by grace, but they can also be infused in in um, in us uh, in a, directly from God as a grace. So, I think by way of review, we kind of we kind of cover it all. If you want more, you know where you can go. You can just look back to the week when we talked about the particular virtue and listen to that episode. Ah, oh, see. Uh, there you go. Um, okay, let's talk about fortitude then in particular. What is the virtue of fortitude? Um, I'll say this at least with respect to a general notion that we often think of fortitude as kind of a courage, right? Something that gives us some bravery or courage or a resolve, a sort of strength of character to do things. But when we talk about courage in the virtue, in the sense of the virtue, we're talking about something a little bit more here. Uh, I guess walk us through that, Father Patrick. Yeah, so uh, so St. Thomas Aquinas would tell us that fortitude is the firmness of will that strengthens this irascible appetite to continue to pursue the difficult good in face of grave danger. Okay, so that so that's very complicated and jargony. Um but what what's the first thing that is that is most striking about this? Um I I remember being just stunned when I learned that Aquinas thought that fortitude was the was the ability to face the threat of death. This is the key. This is what courage is about. Courage is about being able to to be steadfast even when the greatest goods of health and person are threatened. Um, so, so we have we have to we have to start that high, right? To say what is this virtue actually about? This virtue is about being able to do what is good and what is right when one's own existence, when one's own life is threatened, right? So so I think that that has to be our starting place and then we can yeah. we can unpack all the rest of it, right? But but that's really the key for St. Thomas. Right, yeah, it's I think it's too easy I think to think that the virtues because especially the moral virtues because they govern human action that they they sort of have a, a cap, like a ceiling that they only kind of pertain to the things of this world, you know, they that they that they only deal with um, our earthly existence. But really, the virtues that they govern human action, our human action is not divorced from from, you know, our relationship with God. 
In fact, this is why we're given grace, even with the moral virtues. We're not just supposed to be like virtuous pagans, you know, in the sense that like we were like a, just a good civil secular mm-hmm. citizen, but that we're good Christian citizens of this earth. So when Father Patrick makes the point that this is that that fortitude is that virtue that that helps us, that enables us to face death. That's the prime object and the prime analogy. Now we can use the for, the virtue of fortitude can be activated in different circumstances that don't necessarily involve a direct threat of death. But that's the prime analogy. And at, at, later on in the episode, when we talk about living fortitude, um, this is also kind of the. Sometimes I like to think of this as like the virtue of the martyrs. Um, fortitude. Right. I've, obviously, the martyrs are full of charity and faith and hope, but their fortitude is like I think often of the virtue of the martyrs. Um, but it doesn't always have to be a glorious kind of reality. So Father Patrick also mentioned um, the appetites, and I did too before. Um, Father, do you want to... Yeah, I mean, let's we, sit with that. Yeah, it's, is like, it like, am I hungry appetite? Let me get fortitude so I don't die from <laughs> hunger. What, what are we talking about? What, what do we mean by this? So, I mean, so, I'm always well, hungry, but then I always want food. So <laughs> It's because you, for years you were used to burning 6,000 calories a day as a world-class steeplechaser. As racer. a world-class bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what what are the appetites to which we're referring? Well, for Aquinas and, and, and other classical thinkers, uh, the soul has different parts. And so when we talk about the irascible appetite, we're, we're, we're talking about a particular thing that is desired um, in the soul. So um, the concupiscible appetite, these, these are really the goods of pleasure, right? Um, and they're easy, they're easy enough for us to obtain. So Temperance is the virtue that modifies the concupiscible appetites. Those again, those 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 that desire for that desire, particularly for sensual pleasure. Um, that that appetite, uh, which is just kind of the, you know, we might call it the most base, but that that's a little too negative. The, you know, the, the most human or immediate instinctual kind of thing we desire. That's another way to think about it. And um, that's the concupiscible appetite. So so concupiscence is the sinful condition whereby we, we desire those things, right? You could connect concupiscence and the concupiscible appetite. The irascible appetite, though, is, is, not, is not essential. So these are the things that are a little bit more difficult to obtain or to avoid. Um, they're still in the will, right? We're still, we're still talking about, um, well, not the will properly, but we're still talking about, we're still talking about um, uh, the soul and our desire, um, and there, and the, this irascible appetite is is then moderated by fortitude as a special thing. So so here the irascible appetite is something a little bit more abstract, and and it's very easy to see with fortitude because it includes fear, right? That kind of fight or flight instinct. So you can see how that that instinct would be very different from the desire for for sensual pleasure, right? Yeah, I think something that sometimes there's a criticism that's levied against St. Thomas or some of the, the more scholastic theologians and thinkers of the church and that they, they sort of are very kind of cold in their approach. There's not a lot of emotion and they just have all of these distinctions and make lists and that sort of thing. Whereas if you compare Aquinas to Augustine, they write very differently. I mean, Aquinas write, Augustine writes in this sort of poetry and these stories. And if you look at the Summa Theologica, it's question, answer, question, answer, and these sort of things. But for here, with this, this this is where we see kind of the scholastic distinction shine. Because as Father Patrick was saying, that um, the soul has different powers and different abilities. And we know that just simply by observing what the person does. You know, So because I can think about things in an abstract way, then we would say that the soul has the power of reason. Because I can react to things, in a, or I can grow 
you know, all of us grow. We're not the same. I'm not the same size I am now that I was when I was born. We have these kind of vegetative kind of powers of the soul just for growth and for food and nourishment. Same thing with the senses, uh, the, the sort of sensual kind of part of our body. And sensual here for Thomas doesn't mean sexual necessarily. Sensual just means our senses are involved. So even think of our five senses that we have, but also our concupiscible and irascible senses to things. So fortitude pertains to those difficult things. And Father Patrick was talking about fear and our response to fear. And we'll we'll break down some of the parts of fortitude in, in the second half of our episode, just after our break. And then we're going to talk about how we live fortitude, how to cultivate the virtue of fortitude in our lives, and which should be an important thing for us to consider because it pertains to our death and our uh, persevering in the face of death. Um, so with that, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to Godsplaining. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand, and I'm here with Father Patrick on this Holy Thursday. And we today we're wrapping up our Back to Virtue series, talking about the the seventh of the of, I don't know. I was the principal virtues, right? Three theological, four cardinal, moral. I don't know. Is there a title for all seven of them that I don't the great know of? Virtues. The great virtues. The principal virtues. I don't know. We're we always call di- we always distinguish between the cardinal and the theological. Yeah, so. we don't really lump them together, um, but we will today. We're, they're lumped together as the great principal virtues. That's beautiful. You might we might call them the lumped virtues then. We're not going to call them that. We might not call them that. <laughs> Let's just be clear. That's not going to happen. Uh, but it's it's a nice effort. But see, you know, we come to the best titles because we try things out, you know. We're not afraid and and we'll persevere in this and we'll pray for the virtue of magnanimity this greatness oh, to come up with the best title. So see, wow, I see what you did. Coming there. attractions. So for the first half of the episode, we were talking about what fortitude is fortitude, that virtue that moderates the irascible appetite, the, the, the part of us that responds to things that are difficult to obtain or, you know, goods that are difficult to obtain or evils that are difficult to avoid. And we need to, and need, we need to, to react invert the virtue of fortitude, does that for us, in us, allows us to do that. I think that's the better way to say it. So let's look at three kind of areas. So when we were talking about, I was mentioning how the scholastics are good at making distinctions, and Thomas is kind of the king of this. And when he looks at the virtues, he always talks about the vices and the parts of the virtues. So let's talk about some of the parts of the virtues and then the vices to kind of get a a more, I don't know, global scope of the virtue of fortitude. So um, we can identify two acts of of the virtue of fortitude, one is attack, and one is endure. I, I guess in common parlance, it's kind of like the fight or flight, but not really flight because it's endure. Really so yeah. no, I'm wrong. So let's not use that. Scratch that. Uh, that won't be edited out either. But uh, there you go. So attack or endure, Father. Wh- I mean, what do we mean? Like attack, like fight back? Is that what we're talking about? Actually, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in this in the sense that it's an action, right, and really yeah. doing something. So fortitude is often depicted, you see depictions of the virtue of fortitude. Fortitude is often depicted with a shield or with a sword, um, recognizing that, that yeah, fortitude is about engaging in the battle, um, that there's a, a manfulness to be had here, a, a, a defensive and active aspect to the virtue. Um, so, so the act of fortitude, um, the attack, is 
that the response to any kind of aggression that that is that is put on us right and again we said at, at the top of the episode i said uh, for saint thomas fortitude is about the danger of death and so here the the principal act is is uh is fighting back you know the the response here um that that this is this is where we have to this is where we have to start um and so when we think about when we think about great acts of courage we think about things that are really grand and for that reason magnanimity is one of these associated virtues and it's connected with this with this principal act of fortitude of attack um, because magnanimity is the kind of greatness of soul it, it's the it's the part of fortitude that allows us to do something really big really grand right um, you know, magnanimity, uh, the, the, the great example of magnanimity is the firefighter that runs into the burning building in order to save someone, you know, at the risk of his own life. Um, he's doing something truly heroic or the policeman that, that puts himself in danger, right, um, to, to, to save another citizen. Um, so so this, is, this, this involves a kind of grandeur, a height, uh, a, a real nobility. Um, and that's that, again, that kind of striking back and, and doing something forward that draws one outside of oneself. Yeah, I think that that nobility of, of virtue with the magnanimity is really important because often we think in the Christian life of like, how, how am I to behave? The, the virtue that often comes up is humility, which actually falls under the virtue of temperance, but uh, is, is humility. But it's not just humility is not a cowering. It's not a sort of like, I can never lift my head up. I, you know, I have to beat myself up because it's paired. It should be paired with this, um, this virtue that falls on their fortitude of magnanimity that Father was just talking about. Magnanimity is that virtue that inclines us to perfect some great act. It calls us to greatness. Humility tempers that by calling us to appropriate greatness. But we are called to greatness. We're called to greatness in serving God, whether that's as Father was saying with, you know, being a firefighter, being a police officer, being a soldier, being a doctor, or the greatness of being a mother and a homeschooler and or the greatness of suffering your death well in your bed. You know, like these right, things, right, our right. greatness is not determined by by human, by earthly worth, but by, you know, by responding to what is before us in a in a saintly way. And I think that I, w- I was just going to say something about the this sort of attack response that we do. We attack the devil. We attack, you know, there is a spiritual warfare. There is a real warfare here. I remember this my a few months ago, probably in the fall when um, Sister Dee Dee Byrne, do you remember? She, she oh, was, yeah. She's a nun. She's a surgeon, at, at, but also a nun. Um, and she gave a talk at the, at the uh, Republican National Convention. And in that, she said that, um, you know, we grab our rosaries as our weapons or something like that, right? And I remember somebody responding in the social media world saying, well, no, we don't, as Christians, we don't use weapons. And it's like, no, no, hold up. We, sister is absolutely right. Yes, we do, because there's a real spiritual combat here and that, you know, our prayer and the virtues, these are the devils trying to attack us, but grace and these virtues are our weapons to persevere, especially fortitude in these in these difficult settings. Um, right, right. But there's also, I think, there's a quiet side to fortitude, if that makes sense, Father Patrick. There are a couple um, yeah, yeah. virtues. Yeah, so this is the second act. You know, we, we've, we've, we've placed, we place a lot of emphasis here on the first act of fortitude, which is the act of aggression or attack. Uh, but the second act of fortitude um, is even more noble for Aquinas. It's a, it's a, it's a still grander thing, um, and, and it's more noble because, frankly, it's more difficult. And so here's where, here's where Aquinas has the great reconciliation between the gospel and the the tradition of the ancient world. Because for Aquinas, the greatest examples of fortitude are the martyrs. 
And why are the martyrs so great? Well, because they are able to endure and to persevere despite uh, great, great suffering and great death, um, and, you know, very painful death, that is. Um, so, so endurance, this idea of being able to stick with it is for Aquinas part of fortitude because it's not a passive thing. It requires still an act of the will um, to endure is not not just to to merely tolerate or put up with or bear with, um, but it, but it's but it's really it's really to fight. And so for Aquinas, these allied virtues that support uh, this act of endurance are are so important. So patience and perseverance are things that we do. I mean, I remember coming to the Dominican Order, and one one friar uh, who was preaching a, a retreat in the novitiate told us very bluntly his novices brothers pray always for the grace of perseverance, you know, in the hope that we would die as Dominicans, that we would be able to fa be faithful to the vows and to the life of the gospel. Um, perseverance is a real thing, and it takes a clinging on, which is which is why in public life we, we see and bear sadness when when there are priests or others who, who, who don't persevere, um, who, who cast it off. So, so Father, may, maybe you have more to say about patience and, and perseverance. Father Jacob is such a patient man. You know, so so he he really is a grand expert of patience. So this this will be really rich him him unpacking patience for us. I would say I'm more predictable than I am patient, Father Patrick. But that's most of my responses can be can be played out before I even respond. But that's kind of you. Um, I'm not a patient person. I'm an ornery person. Um, but the first step to change is you know recognizing the the need for change. So here I am recognizing. Oh, Isn't that now great? we're demonstrating humility? We just have all the virtues. Okay, enough. Uh, yeah, I think I think the the. The importance here of the virtue of fortitude and patience and perseverance is highlighted by the fact that there is a sacrament intimately associated with these realities, and that's the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Remember that fortitude, as we've said a few times, that fortitude is the, the object of fortitude, and, and what it's ultimately oriented to is persevering or having courage in the face of death, attacking in the face of death. Certainly, uh, the, the the temptations of the devil, but enduring the pains and the sufferings and the loneliness and all, all the sickness and all of that of death. One, there, there are these great, 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 I can't say great enough, Dominican sisters, the Dominican sisters of Hawthorne. They were founded by mm. Rose Hawthorne, Nathaniel Hawthorne's daughter, and they were founded to care first for um, terminally ill cancer patients, and they, but they care for a lot of the sick. These women, um, holy, and they work like nobody's business. They are incredible women. If you're thinking of a vocation and want to work with the sick, the Hawthorne Dominican sisters are, you know, look no further. But one of the things they said is that part of their, and the nursing work that they do is that they, they also are sort of the spiritual care for these people and that the, that um, in witnessing and being with countless people who have died, they, they attest, the one sister said that, you know, the battle's not over to the last moment. The battle's not over to the last moment that Satan's trying to tempt people away from from the good, from Christ in, in their loneliness and pain and suffering, even into the last moment. So the sacrament of anointing of the sick is, is, is not there to heal the sick, though it may, but it's there to strengthen the sick in the face of death to strengthen them, particularly in this virtue of fortitude and of hope. Um, so I don't think we can hammer home enough the importance of that, but I'll say this, and, and kind of leave it here, at least on this point, is that these, these sorts of things, remember that, remember that we are what we do. We build habits and we build, our character right. is built right. on what we do. Um, the virtues are built, are habitus. We've talked about that in a couple of our previous episodes. So it's very important to think now, um, if we want to, uh, 
be prepared for a happy and a holy death to start practicing the virtues now so as to be trained in them now so that they can be called upon in the moments of, 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 of great necessity of great necessity. So this is the whole point of the life of virtue is that we practice the virtues and, you know, and pray for them throughout our entirety of the life. So that way they can be called upon in those most extreme moments. Um, so one of the last things we'll say at least about this, and then a few things about living fortitude, that the, the vices of the, the virtues are always, um, sailing through the middle of vices and father patrick alluded to this with the firefighter example but two of the two of the vices that are um, associated with the virtue are fear and fearlessness so cowardice and i don't know what braggadociousness is that something um i guess if you use the firefighter example you know here the the virtuous and the the firefighter who exercises fortitude is the one who runs into the burning building to save somebody who's trapped but the vice here, the lack of fortitude, uh, could be seen in two ways. Well, he doesn't run in when he needs to save somebody because of fear. He's overcome by fear. Or the fearlessness, which is also a lack of fortitude, is that he runs into a burning building when it's empty. That's not courage. That's stupidity. You know, that's, that's, that lacks the virtue. Um, so we can see that the, the greatness of the virtues is that it fine-tunes our actions to do the good thing promptly, joyously, and easily, as Thomas says. Um, yeah, just highlights it a little bit more. So we've kind of walked through fortitude. We have a handful of minutes left. So let's talk about living the virtue of fortitude, how to live it, how to grow in it. Any thoughts here, Father Patrick? Yeah, I think, you know, part of the way that part of the way that we succeed in Christian living, right, is looking to examples and, and living in our lives, uh, uh, what they teach us. So, so who are you, dear listener? Uh, who are you thinking of when you think of someone who is courageous who is it that you think has the virtue of fortitude i mean one one example that i that i like to give is um, samwise gamgee in the lord of the rings right because his his fortitude is the kind of faithful perseverance that every christian needs he's not a stoic sam is very emotional he's very very devoted to to frodo um but not, neither is he some kind of li- listless waif. I mean, it, it, like we could think of that. We could think of the great scene where they're approaching Mount Doom, right? Where Samwise puts Frodo up on his shoulder and and carries carries the, that little hobbit to destroy <laughs> to destroy the ring when when Frodo himself can't take another step. That is what perseverance looks like. Uh, that that is that is real fortitude. Um, you know, head, heading into the land of doom, um, the land of darkness, uh, but but intent and fixed on the goal. Um, so as to be completely undeterred from it. Yeah, I, I too have an, um, an example from literature uh, and from the other great uh, author, C.S. Lewis, and The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Reepicheep. Um, at the end of The Voyage he's of the so Dawn Treader, this little mouse guy, big mouse guy, but he's great. He's kind of, you know, always ready to fight somebody throughout the books. But there's this beautiful scene when they're reaching the end of the world, uh, you know, towards the east. And he says, uh, you know, he wa- he just wants to go on to the east. He just wants to go um, go to Aslan's country. And as they're at the eastern edge of the world, when the ship can go no further, he says this, while I can, I sail east in the Dawn Treader. When she fails me, I paddle east in my coracle. When she sinks, I shall swim east with my four paws. And when I can swim no longer... If I have not reached Aslan's country or shot over the edge of the world into some vast cataract, I shall sink with my nose to the sunrise. It's, just, it's so beautiful. This little mouse, he's like, he's going to do everything he can to persevere to get to Aslan, who's, of course, God in this. Um, and I think these characters from literature, you know, 
show forth the virtues in a way that we can kind of think about them in in a kind of fanciful way. But also these these virtues are, as Father Patrick said, you know, living in the martyrs. Every time in the churches, in, in our life, we in the divine office, we pray the office of readings, and when we get to a celebration of a martyr's feast day, there's also, also often a recounting of the martyr's death or like a letter from his last days, and you hear these in their words. They're they're not they're not deluded. They're not deluded about what's coming. You know, they and they're not not fearful, um, but they their their hope and the, what they're looking at is is Christ. And they're full of prayer, and even in their death, they're full of prayer. You know, so these these men and women um, who are sort of the the highest example of this virtue really show to us that um, even in simple kind of things, you know, we may not be martyred, but you know, we are asked to give our lives for Christ day in and day out. Um, they're, they're great examples. Um, Father Patrick, you also mentioned too this this praying for this perseverance. What is, uh, I guess, just a word on what that might look like for us? Yeah, that's right. So we, you know, when when we're talking about the moral virtues, the cardinal virtues, that's the big four, not the top three, but the big four in in, in the in the lump of seven. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're talking always about the kind of thing that can be sharpened and fine tuned by our action, but then also enhanced by God's grace. So when when we pray for perseverance. When, when we pray for an outpouring of fortitude in our lives, it's the kind of fortitude that can reach the kingdom, the kind of thing that can a- a- echo into eternity, and that that can extend beyond our actions. And so this is the this this is what allows the saints to do great things. You know, it's the kind of thing that made Monica a tender um, a tender mother of her son and and a faithful spouse. Does, despite a very difficult marriage, or it's the kind of thing that, that, that makes a saint brave for leaving his homeland, like um, Patrick of Ireland, one of Father Jacob Bertrand's favorite saints. Um, it, it's the kind of thing that made Patrick of Ireland ad- adventurous and not foolhardy, you know, for desiring to spread the gospel in a foreign land. Uh, be- because according to the metric of the world, um, the, the virtues resonate differently, but with God's grace, they 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 ring and echo um, with far greater um, uh, far greater sound. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, as we as we get into Holy Week on this Holy Thursday, perhaps the virtue of fortitude or another virtue is uh, something that we can offer or pray for in these coming days. Um, we will certainly be praying for you through the Triduum uh, and ask you to pray for us, too, that we together uh, can celebrate the, the joy of the resurrection in just a few days' time. Persevere. It's almost there. We'll make it through the fast of Good Friday and get to rejoice at the vigil and on Easter Sunday. We're praying in a special way for all of those who are going to be received into the church this this Easter for all of our catechumens and candidates, so know of our prayers there too. Um, a few uh, a few announcements, a few things at the end of at the end here. Um, we, of course, as you know, launched a merchandise store a few, probably a couple months ago now. So there's great stuff there. Um, we have we're we're launching a, an Easter uh, merchandise item. These these nice sweatshirts with the the crucifixion image that we have on a sticker right now, but it's also will be put on sweatshirts. So check those out um, as part of our Easter gift to one or two of you, I was going to say all of you, not all of you, um, we're going to give away a couple of those sweatshirts. So if you would um, rate uh, rate uh, the, the podcast, leave a review of the podcast of the show on um, Apple Podcasts, we'll have a drawing in a week or so um, and give away a couple of those sweatshirts. So please do um, rate and, and review the show. It helps us out immensely. Um, thanks to all of our um, 
benefactors, all of our donors. If you're interested in donating to the podcast and supporting the podcast, check us out on our Patreon page. Also, by way of a final announcement, don't forget um, that we are hosting a retreat this summer with the five of us hosts. Myself, Father Patrick, Father Joseph Anthony, Father Bonaventure, and Father Gregory um, in Huntington, New York, July 23rd through 25th for young adults. Um, If you're interested in that, I would recommend checking it out quickly because it is filling up fast. So if you'd like a spot on that, uh, you should register sooner than later. Other than that, Father Patrick, I think that's everything. Is that right? Am I forgetting anything? Yeah, we can progress now to the final blessing and the conclusion of Holy Mass. Are we doing that? Well, you were giving the announcements. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know. That's just where my mind always goes. It's like, can we leave? Are the donuts out yet? (laughs) Thanks, Father Patrick. That's a blessing. Well, we we won't belabor this anymore. So thanks for tuning in. And until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.